0: Hi, I'm Xian Xiao, a healthcare researcher.
1: And I'm Sammy Winemaker, a palliative care doctor. If you or someone you know is facing a serious illness, you've probably spent many hours in waiting rooms, scared and not sure what to expect. We can help.
0: Together, we've heard from thousands of patients and families dealing with serious illness. Our goal is to share what we've learned so you can be more prepared and in control This is The Waiting Room Revolution, and it starts right now. Welcome back to The Waiting Room Revolution. It's Sien and Sammy again. This episode is going to focus on the key called Know Your Style. This is a very important key, but it's often overlooked. And I know Sammy and I talk about this a lot, and we feel like it's very important. But it's not often thought about, and yet can have a huge difference. Sammy... Where did this key come from, and why is it so important?
1: I've learned that I can help guide people through an illness. I can explain to someone what an average illness is going to look like, depending on what the diagnosis is. But what's amazed me is now I have a whole different skill set as a doctor. I now spend a lot of time asking people more about who they are, not just about what career they've had and, you know, If they have children or no children, it's more about how have they been in their life when they have faced other challenges is so informative to how they're going to be going forward in this illness. It is unbelievably important information that can predict how things are going to be as much as the illness itself.
0: So the reason we are talking about this is because there's often this feeling that you have no control that it's all about the disease, and you just have to see where this goes. But what we're trying to say is that you're not completely in the dark. The answers lie in your past, and the illness journey is going to be largely driven by who you are, how you live, your personality, the dynamics between you and your family, all of these things, and how you've faced challenges in the past. These are all clues in how you're going to fare moving forward. So, Sammy. How does this play out in your day-to-day work?
1: I've met so many people. And many people have the same illness. Lots of people have cancer. Lots of people have neurologic illnesses. Lots of people have heart disease or lung disease. But even though the illnesses themselves have an overarching pattern to them, one that I could predict how it's going to unfold as the illness itself, I'm amazed that every single person's journey is very different, even though they all may have the same illness. The illness part is predictable, but how the illness feels is very much individual. It's very much depending on what they are like as a person, what their style is like, what their vibe is like. That's going to predict how their illness feels in an individual way. Too often, we ignore that really important information that will help someone predict how their journey is going to feel.
0: Yes, that's why there's no single answer to having a better experience, because every person has their own style, every family dynamic is different, and the available healthcare resources are different. And that is what leads to every story being unique. And frankly, that can be very scary, because you realize that what you're going through, no one else in the world will go through exactly the same thing. However, while the illness journey will have a lot of unknowns ahead, you and your family have a lot of information at your fingertips already.
1: It reminds me when I'm hanging out with my girlfriends and we talk about, you know, different people's experiences. And often I hear from friends, you know, I wonder what I would be like in that situation. And This is one scenario when someone's facing a serious illness, that you actually don't have to wait until you have the illness to know what you're going to be like. And that's sort of mind blowing when you think about it, the way you've been your entire life will predict how you're going to be when you're facing a serious illness. There's a saying that I didn't make up, but I it often comes to mind when I'm thinking about people's different styles and it's you die as you live, which basically means that the way you have conducted yourself your whole entire life, your coping mechanisms, whether they're good coping mechanisms or harmful coping mechanisms, very much stays resilient for better or for worse throughout your life. And when you're facing an illness, these things usually stay the same. And for some people listening, that might They may be thinking, oh, no, that's terrible. And other people might think, oh, well, then I should be okay." But the truth is, is that knowing these ways that you've been your whole life, we don't have to judge ourselves or judge each other. All we need to do is know. And then we can spin those things to your advantage.
0: So what we are saying is to know your style. Do a self-assessment. Be aware of it. So, Sammy, what advice do you have for how one goes about doing that?
1: The essence of this is really about taking some time to think about your life, looking back on your life and trying to remember any challenges that you have come across in your life. So, for example, that might have been uh, the divorce of your parents or you lost a job or The death of someone else in your family, something major, and asking yourself what helped you get through that particular challenge and what made that more difficult. Really thinking about what helped you and what hindered you when you faced those challenges. What was your natural style like? Because those kinds of pieces of information about yourself, it's all about you, can then be used. To your advantage.
0: So, you've seen a lot of patients in your years of practice. Based on the different styles you've encountered, what are some of the biggest challenges that people will face?
1: We all have natural styles. We come to this journey with our natural way about us. And if I'm being perfectly honest, having met a lot of people, some styles can make, break, or shape the illness journey. And it's not that the style is wrong, but certain ways of being can put people at risk of not getting the information that they need and making people feel more helpless and end up in a crisis every time something happens. People who tend to shy away from facing challenges, people who are more passive when something's happening to them and don't advocate for themselves or stand up for themselves, people who don't ask a lot of questions because they're too scared or anxious. These ways of being can make it challenging if you walk your journey by yourself, because you will end up being someone who doesn't get the information that you need to stay one step ahead.
0: So Sammy, say you're someone who is a more day-to-day person, maybe more passive. How do you work around that?
1: So, some of these things we cannot change about a person. And I'm not suggesting they're wrong or that they have to change, but knowing that's the way you are, you will do better if you find someone in your inner circle who has a complimentary style that will help you get the information that you need. So, for example, you may find a family member or a friend who is is more of a go getter, someone who faces things head on they ask a lot of questions, they stand up for something they believe in, they advocate for things. That kind of person is well-matched with a more passive person because together, if you go through this journey in whichever way you do, you can rely on that person for gathering information that you and your family are going to need to feel like you're always prepared.
0: And how about the opposite? What about someone who is more type A, an information seeker? What are the challenges that they might face?
1: Yes. So people that I have met that are super information seekers and always very much in control of the situation and always collecting information can feel very frustrated in a healthcare system that doesn't offer them the information that they feel they need. And so for those kinds of people who are politely coming to their appointments and you know being quiet and feeling not invited to speak for themselves will almost feel muzzled and gagged because they're usually the kind of people that stand up and seek out information and ask questions so those people will struggle in a different way
0: that's such a good point sammy What I found from my research is that those who tend to want a lot of information, they tend to find it hard with a loss of control, a loss of autonomy, and this loss of independence. And they feel uncomfortable, um, some would say angry or depressed, when their bodies start to break down and they aren't able to do things for themselves. These can often be the kinds of people who find it hard to accept help. It's their way or the highway. And so giving up that control really makes it hard for them at the end.
1: Something else that I've observed about people is different styles of being organized. That's another one that really does affect the illness journey. So if some people look back and do their self-assessment and admit to themselves, look, I'm a completely disorganized mess. I'm not good at keeping track of things. And I often let things fall through the cracks then you're probably going to want to saddle up with someone in your inner crew who is rather the opposite. Someone who is a good manager, someone who is organized and keeps track of things. Whether you tend to surround yourself with people or you're more of a loner, whether you face things straight on or not is another example. Whether you're someone who always says no to people when they're offering help, or you're the kind of person who allows people into your life to help you. No right or wrong. It's just these ways of being will influence how your journey feels to you.
0: So we've covered various different styles, and you've alluded to an important concept of balancing your style, which is about finding people in your family to mix and match with and who will complement the challenges that you might face due to your unique style. Can you elaborate more on that?
1: When someone's facing a progressive life-limiting illness, they need an inner team wrapped around them. Most people don't face an illness completely by themselves. The advantage of having an inner circle, an informal crew made up of family, friends, and community members, whoever your inner crew is, is that you can take advantage of different people's personality styles and different ways of being. And it's almost like matching, mixing and matching so that as you go through your illness, all your needs are met and their needs are met. Your need for information, your need for practical things, the way you want to be and the way you want your journey to feel will very much depend on who's in your inner circle.
0: And it will also depend on how aware you are of your inner cruise style. So to show our listeners how Know Your Style works in action, I want to bring in another guest and hear from a real patient story. Let me introduce to you my cousin, Tan Toyofuku, who cared for her father, my uncle who was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he lived with it for over three years. And he died a few years ago, but his story and that of the families really reminds me of how knowing your style and mixing and matching styles plays out in real life. Welcome to the podcast, Sue.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is my first time on a podcast.
0: (laughs) Sue, tell the listeners a little bit about your dad.
2: Sure. So, um, my father, uh, his name was Tinky. He was an extremely outspoken, kind of gregarious, big personality, you know, in terms of his view on death, health, life. Um, it was very much shaped, um, when he lost your mom, which is his sister, uh, at, a, at an early age due to breast cancer. So I think that was very formative in terms of shaping how he viewed um mortality right uh, and when he dealt with his own illness you know having gone through watching his his sister you know deal with cancer um so he was you know before diagnosis he was always like a super i would say workaholic i think that's fair to say but like a passion driven workaholic um always like juggling a million things always uh loved you know being really active um, reading all the time he like he loved to kind of like consume information and good food and experiences um and so that uh he was he was kind of very very high energy um fun loving person
0: and so when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, what was that experience like for you and and for him and the family
2: yeah at that you know at the point of his diagnosis um it was a big surprise, right? Because at that point, you know, my brother and I were already adults. We have our own families. We're not living in the same place anymore. For a while he had been kinda of unexplained weight loss, but nobody kinda of thought too much about it and then and then went in to kinda of check on it. And um, you know, after multiple stages of testing they you know, this this was revealed. So at that point, I think it's like everyone else, right? Like the the rug just gets pulled from under you, everything you know him being very driven, very career minded. All of a sudden, you know, this becomes the, the this takes precedence over everything else. And so I think very quickly, he kind of mobilized the family. He he's always been very outspoken about things like this. Like he would he would never be the one that like hides illness or if anything he overshares, which I think was a good coping mechanism. But um. You know, I think as soon as he knew, we knew, and um, my brother was very instrumental in like helping him shape kind of like a plan of attack. You know, like all right, they're researchers, right? Immediately, it's like all right, where's the best place to get treated? Who are the leading doctors? But ultimately, I think when the high level course of action was more defined, they decided to go back to you know their home home, which they consider like Seattle is where my dad considers home base. Um, despite having kind of been taken to different places by his job, he knew that, all right, if I'm facing a terminal illness, I want to be where I'm most comfortable, where I'm like most happy. And then they set up kind of his care team there.
1: Sue, can you tell us more about the various personalities of the different people in your family and how those influenced how they dealt with your dad's illness?
2: Yes, definitely. That is a good topic because there's, a lot of polarities. <laughs> so I'll start with my dad. Um as I mentioned before, he's he's always been extremely extroverted. He wanted everyone to know that he was sick. Not not for sympathy's sake, but just because that's how he is. So, you know, he he would we'd be eating noodles in a in a food restaurant and he'd be like, Oh, you know, I'm battling pancreatic cancer and we're like, Dad, no, like you don't need to tell the waitress this, you know? But but I think like he's he's always been that way, you know, whether he's ill or not, because he he likes to connect with other people, and he part of that connection is telling people what he's going through. and similarly, if someone he wants to know what other people are going through. so he's he was extremely vocal, extremely extroverted, like you know in from my mom's point of view, he's like oversharing, you know, because like, hey, this waitress doesn't need to know that you're sick. But I do think that was instrumental in him coping coming to terms and and processing like this is what's happening to me. And it's it's easier for me to manage when I share the burden, you know, share the burden of this 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 concept of cancer and this illness with anybody around me who's willing to listen. Um, and so my mother on the other hand she's extremely private. You know, she she's the type where, you know, if she got sick, she might like hide it and then one day be like, by the way, everybody, like, I'm dying. Because <laughs> you know my mom doesn't she hates burdening people. You know, she didn't she never wants to inconvenience anyone. And to her, like telling people about it is is kind of like burdening them with the information. So she's the opposite. Um, but she also understands, you know, the way my dad was, like, obviously, I've been married for so long. Um, my brother is very solution oriented right so he he knows how to research thing he has a, he has like a law and finance background so he's immediately looking up who's the best, who's the leading researcher you know because pancreatic can- cancer is so emergent. you know where's the best research coming from where are the clinical trials like he's he's kind of looking up all this deep research and act and action opportunities right my brother's immediately calling his his friends or professors that may know someone at this cancer center and that cancer center, you know, he's kind of he's on it in that way. I'm a much more like uh, emotionally driven person, so uh, you know, I'm probably like thinking of you know how my dad can be comfortable. Is my mom okay? You know, I, I'm less able, like I was less able to kind of deal with the technical aspects of dealing with it, and I'm I kind of more am in a empathy feeling type of person. Right. And so in many ways, I think that's good because in this way, you cover different bases. Like if it was just me, like my, my dad wouldn't know about all these advanced treatment options and which doctor to go to and connections. Right. But then I'm, you know, I'm probably the one that's also like making sure like, oh, my God, my mom doesn't seem like she's doing so good right now. You know, like. And so I think, you know, when you have such different personalities, the good thing is that it can you cover different bases um but the bad thing is there's also tension sometimes i'll give you a quick example right? at that time my daughter was probably like one or two and my she was not spared of my dad's like nature of dealing with this so when he would be going through chemo and he'd be wearing his chemo pump he'd point to it to my daughter at that time she wasn't really talking he'd be like oh grandpa is sick look at this like grandpa is sick like pointing to all his chemo gear and You know, I was like, dad, you know, like, can she even understand? Like, you know, but from his point of view, he's like, I don't want to disappear one day on her. I want her to actually be prepared that I'm dealing with something and that I may die and that I'm sick. I want her to know the, the truth of what's happening to me and not, you know, even though she's a small child. In some ways, maybe when you go through things like this, all your personalities get exaggerated because everybody's emotions are heightened and every, you know, it's an extreme life situation. So all these things get dialed way up into overdrive.
0: Yeah, that's one of the key things that we wanted to share with this key was that natural family dynamics, people's personalities, exactly you said, get dialed up, get exaggerated. But if you are aware of how you can use your style and how you cope with uh, your typical challenges and lean into them in some way, this might allow you to have more control of your story. So I'm wondering if you can give some examples of how you feel like your dad might have um, done things in his last few years that allowed Mm -hmm. him to have more control over the experience for himself, but also that affected you too. Uh,
2: Yeah, I think, first of all, he made it very clear that he wanted everyone around him. You know, like some people are afraid to ask you know, like oh, everyone's busy with their own lives. This extends even to like, you know, you you guys, your aunts, uncles, cousins. So he he's the type where he doesn't want to retreat into a hole. He wants to be surrounded by love, by support, by like busy busy house. You know, like kind of like holiday mode in the house. And so um, I think very very soon into his diagnosis, you know, it's like as much, as often as we could, we would everyone would fly there be with him um do things i think he also wanted to stay as active as he could i think that was his goal to like milk as much time he could when he was still physically able so like even when he was going through chemo like wearing his pump we'd go camping like he he was just kind of like didn't want to skip a beat and in fact he, he had you know everything was compressed he's like you know one one day to me is like 10 years to you he would always verbalize that so he's like you know give me a break if you think i'm being too you know manic but my sense of time is just you know it's just it's it's the time of a dying man you know and so he was really open about that and i think that was hard too so for my mom she's again she's the opposite right if things like this happen, she wants privacy. She wants, like, space to deal with it. And so I think she, you know, she had she had to kind of just understand, like, this is what he needs to feel the best he can be right now.
0: Yeah, I remember making some of those trips to your house. And I remember how he spent time going through all the photo albums from when you guys were a baby. And he put up pictures everywhere because, to your point, he wanted to be surrounded by people he loved.
2: And he needed to stay busy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and wanting to be productive and, and thinking about the meaning of your life. He mm-hmm. he wrote a book. We wrote a book together actually. It took a lot of work, but we accelerated the publication of some of, 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 of his key teachings. And mm-hmm. also he also wrote a book about giving your own eulogy. I mean, he was an innovation professor and he created a living memorial celebration. And and we did that together and we helped him. But that was important to him as as a a way to have control over yeah you know what was going to be said and what he wanted to say and leave as his legacy to others,
2: yeah, yeah, I think his you know he's the type where he like he very seriously thought about a bucket list, right and and he diligently tried to check every damn thing off in like the in the moments that he had. I think the only thing he didn't check off he wanted to own a horse, and that like was just not feasible. <laughs>
0: but he bought a boat he
2: which was like a disaster because he it was like this used boat that leaked oil but he but he checked the box off that was what mattered
0: we moved house so he would have a view by the lake i remember this um
2: i think this is a key hallmark like some people orient they reorient their life around the the illness my dad was not about that my dad was like no this illness is orienting itself around what i want to do right and that was his style We're going to take the ferry. We're going to add this extra hour every time I have to go to the doctor because that's what makes me feel at peace. That's where I have a better chance of like quality of life. That was his style.
0: (laughs) So Sue's story showed how knowing your style and knowing those of the family, balancing them all out really can affect the illness experience. Part of doing that well is implicitly that they shared their styles with one another and with those around them so they knew how to support one another.
1: It is important to share with other people. So, for example, it's important to tell your doctor and your nurse what kind of person you are. You don't have to tell them all the nitty-gritty details. But, for example, I might tell my doctor or nurse, I'm the kind of person who is a planner. I know that about me. I feel better when I have planned ahead. I also feel better when I feel in control. So it's going to be very important to me that you give me information about my illness. And I want it straight up. I face things straight on. So I still want to face things straight on.
0: And vice versa. If you don't like so much information and you live more day to day, you could let your doctor or nurse know that but then tell them who the person in your inner team is, who you have mixed and matched with, and who does most of the planning and organizing in your team. So to recap, this episode is about know your style, know your personality, how you face challenges, how others in your inner team have faced challenges in their lives. All of these together will have a huge impact on your experience. So the three take homes are one, know your style and know the styles of those in your inner circle. Two, balance your styles. Be aware that each one has strengths and weaknesses. Find others in your inner circle to complement your style. And three, share your style with your family, of course, but also with your healthcare team. Tell them how you want information, who you have mixed and matched well with, and what you want them to know about your style. Using these together will help you have a more in-the-know experience. Join us next episode as we discuss the next key, customize your order. Our theme music is Maple by Ketza. The podcast is edited and produced by me, Sian Xiao, and Kayla McMillan. Special thanks to Krista Honstra, principal of Clarity Hub. For more information, visit us at waitingroomrevolution.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast help us get the word out.